Hi there, Brian from the Franchise Radio Show. Welcome, lovely to have you here along listening. Um, today, Franchise Reputations is the title of our conversation with Pete Burden, and I'll introduce you to you, to you shortly. He's he's the founder of Franchise Media Training, and as such, his focus is on protecting the reputation of franchises. He does that by way of preparing to be ready for negative mood, news attention, the sorts of things that can happen at the drop of a hat. Um, and this involves both media interview training and crisis communication planning, all specifically designed for franchise networks. Um, so he's a fairly unique individual in his space. Um, the other emphasis of franchise media training is growing the reputation of franchise networks, which includes things like training teams how to generate positive news media attention. Um, Pete's also the author of a number of best-selling books featuring franchise leaders across the world, and I've certainly recommend them to you. They're great reading and some good case studies that he's, he's collected. Uh, his history is he's a former daily newspaper reporter and on the other side of the house, I suppose you could say, government press secretary. Um, pretty unique situation having worked on both sides of, of the media. So he understands the needs for both the reporters, obviously got a job to do, and the media interaction and understanding the needs of those reporters and how they can be communicated with. Um, he's got a master's degree in communication management and journalism from universities in New Zealand and in Australia. So welcome to you today, Pete. Lovely to have you along. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, delighted to have you. We met um, a couple of months ago and I was I was really um, so engaged with the conversations with Pete. He really does know his stuff. And uh, so I was able to twist his arm to come along today to share this knowledge with you, which um, I hope you'll pin your ears back and by the way if you're uh, not in the car driving do grab a notebook or something like that so you can make make some notes and um essentially record some of the some of the knowledge he's going to share with you so um Pete, just some questions uh, in fact first is there anything you wanted to add to the bio there that i i read the int your introduction Probably the only thing, Brian, is, is is how I got into this stuff. And you mentioned there how I was a journalist and a government press secretary. It was in those roles where I could see people making so many mistakes, both talking to the media and not understanding how that conversation worked and, and how they could get into trouble if they didn't understand how that worked. And also, so many people missed massive opportunities to get really good, positive media attention. Uh, so I decided to go in and start a training business that offered both those services. Uh, and the reason for the franchise focus is because both of those are so powerful in franchising. For example, if there is an issue, negative issue with media for a franchise, it can affect it affects the entire network. And I think we both know, I could give you a number of examples, I'm sure, and I know there are lots in Australia, where there's been an issue with one franchisee somewhere, and that's affected the whole network. And I know an example here where a very well-known franchise, every franchisee in that network uh, lost between 20, 10 and 20% for two months after this issue happened. And of course, that issue was on page one of Google for I think it probably still is now. Um, and also because franchise oars are so well you know, respected and franchisees are all really important at a local level, there's so many opportunities to get national and local positive news media attention. So franchising just seemed to fit what I did perfectly. 
Well, that, that makes a lot of sense, and I can see there is that space there. So, so um, from, from that point of view, what made you choose franchising? Well, I think it's just because of that, just because there's so many, uh, so the stakes are so much higher. Mm. I mean, if, if one franchise, you know, if there's one minor issue at one one network, one franchisee outlet, um, the entire um, franchise uh, network suffers from that. Whereas, you know, and that's so much more full on because, you know, one business in one spot, well, that's bad enough. But if you've got, you know, 20, 100, 200 franchisees around the country, uh, you know, the, the damage is, is huge and it, it can really be long lasting. In some situations, it actually ends a business. But at the, at the minimum, it will, cut, it will hurt profits for a while. Look, just expanding there from your, your background knowledge um, and what you've seen, um, what do you think franchisors need to know about how the media can impact their business? Well, firstly, I mean, because I've obviously had a lot of uh, conversations with the French franchisors over, over the last few years and, you know, with, with my work, and I do know that a lot, there is this assumption that if we don't do anything wrong, we'll be fine. Okay, and and most of the issues that I've dealt with and I've had franchisors come to me with are things that were totally out of the blue that they had no control over. For example, allegations about food poisoning, for example, is a huge one with food businesses. Um, there was one particular one that was where, you know, it was a big trust thing where people were going into other people's houses and they might have, you know, that, that there was a real issue that could have happened there. So the first thing is, is that, that, you know, it can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. Um, and I like to use the analogy, a franchise without a crisis communication plan to deal with that stuff, it's like owning a car without insurance. I mean, we don't expect to have a car crash, but we know it's always possible. And if there is one, it's okay, we've got that sorted. But so many franchise or franchises don't have anything in place. I was actually speaking at a Greg Nathan event with CEOs a few years ago now, and I, I asked everyone to you know raise your hands if you have a crisis communication plan. And I think it was about two out of 50 people. And these were big, you know, these are big franchises we're talking about. So, you know, I and, and the thing is reputation on any uh, any survey you do, when it's business leaders, they always say the most important thing to them is their reputation. And yet so many don't, haven't got that protected. Yeah, I mean, it's coming out particularly now post-COVID, I think, wherever in the world from news items I read that, you know, it's people's culture and the culture reflected in the media attention you get because negative attention gives a negative impact to the public at large, suspecting that your culture is not right, uh, whereas, in fact, that may be quite misleading. So so what can franchise doors do to, uh, to ensure against this sort of media reputation damage? Well, there's two things they need. The first thing is they need a crisis communication plan. So they need something ready to go if something happens because – and this is so much different now because 20 years ago, if you had some issue, you would just have to worry about tonight's TV news or tomorrow morning's newspaper. But now, as everyone knows, if there's some issue, it'll be on the news website in 15 minutes. It'll be in social media in 30 minutes. And if you've had a phone call from someone, from a journalist, talk, telling you about this thing, which you may not even know exists yet, and you just say, look, I've got nothing to say or we don't know anything about that, that will go into that news story. So the franchise will refuse to comment, goes out through social media, everyone's commenting on it, 
you know, too late, it's all, it's gone. So the very first thing anyone needs on their crisis communication plans are a number of media statements that are already written now for those potential scenarios. Because at the very outset of something like that, you need to get a statement to everyone. Obviously, you need to get it to your franchisees to start with, but then you've got to get it to media and all your other stakeholders. Because in that first story that goes out, you at the very least want to be saying something like, you know, let's say it was a victim. You might say, look, our hearts go out to this victim. You know, we're doing all we can to, you know, help their family or, or whatever it might be. But if you don't have anything in place, and you've also probably got spokespeople that are nervous about talking to the media, so probably you don't talk to the media, it'll just do be old refuse to comment type statements, and that's just the last thing you want. So your crisis plan has to have a number of things, but the two of them are definitely you need those statements. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're predictable. I mean, I've got a, a crisis template I have that have got sort of about eight franchise-focused statements um, but you also need spokespeople that understand how to talk to a journalist. Mm. And it's quite different from anything else. And while I totally understand that there are some journalists in Australia that are pretty much, you know, I know there are a few that don't like franchise and they're out to get them. There are ways where you can actually talk to journalists and you can basically make sure that it's your points that get across in that story. There are particular ways, but it's, a lot of people think, oh, I'm a good communicator, therefore I'll be good in, in the media. It's, it's totally different. There are some totally unique skills and ways to keep out of trouble. And what people also have to remember is that they are, it's totally up to them what they say. People can ask you a question and we're going to answer it if we can, but there are times when we can't. Mm. Okay, And there are ways we can do that that we haven't really got time to get into here, but uh, they have a lot more power if they're ready. Right. So it's not something that you rely on somebody in your organisation just ad-lib responding to a bit of bad news or whatever. It's something where you need someone in your organisation, one key person nominated, is this what you're saying, who's who's been trained, who's got the skills and has the resources to know how to respond or, or, or in fact, to initiate uh, activity on the basis of the nature of the problem, the complaint or whatever it is and who it's coming from. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, the franchisees all need to know that there needs to be a plan because, you know, your franchisees probably won't understand how this works either. So as part of that crisis communication plan, there also has to be staff guidelines in there about what the franchisees do if media approach them, what these staff do, what and also what they do on social media because traditional media journalists will find social media sites and they'll quote anything they want from those. So well, they're, they're past masters at extracting <laughs> half sentences. <laughs> dot, Absolutely. Dot. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what? So, I can see here that there's a gap in the operations and procedures manuals of most organisations because what you need is that crisis management plan that anyone can access. So that if I'm temporary store manager down in a in a retail outlet and something happens. I can just basically check on my phone or the laptop, go to the ops manuals, search for, you know, bad publicity or crisis management, and I have the solution come up to me. The same as if I'm the person who's handling it in our company. You can't rely on remembering all these facts and so forth. So, again, you've got to really have a, a cloud-based 
operations procedures manual with that content in there so you can just pull it up at the drop of a hat and you know with confidence you can talk about something you've got a skill in yeah, yeah absolutely and, and what you might do is you might because another thing in, the, in that plan is you, there are particular roles that need to be played for example the spokesperson we've already spoken about there also needs to be someone that actually controls the communication response and chances are that's probably going to be someone at head office and so ideally what you would do is if there was any issue with one of those franchisees or anything, they would just naturally contact that person. And mm-hmm. then that person would have all that information you're talking about and would be able to know exactly what to do. And then basically be all over this thing, be back, back and forth to media, not necessarily the spokesperson. Um, and you need an online manager. Who's going to be putting all the stuff on the internet? Who's going to be monitoring all that stuff? Who's going to be monitoring the news sites? Because often there'll be misinformation. So there's there's all these things. I mean, it sounds quite complex, but realistically, I mean, it doesn't have to be complex. There's, I mean, a crisis communication plan. I've seen anything from like a few bullet points to like you know four hundred page uh, booklets. <laughs> but realistically, you know, you want something that's. I mean, the one my templates are basically there's sort of thirty pages that shows you how to get. There's five things to get ready, and then on the day you have these two pages and you have all these statements there that uh, you can pull out if you need to. Um, I like It's like a game of sport. Um, during the week, you, you practice for the for the game on Saturday and then once Saturday hits and something happens, it's all, everyone just knows what to do. But if, you know, if you get a whole group of people together on Saturday and say, here's your football or something, it's, you know, it's just it's not going to work. It's not going to work. No, that's, we see it every now and again. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, we do with the All Blacks at the moment. That's for well, sure. yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, uh, okay, so it's, it's pretty obvious then you need those resources. You need someone who's trained in how to use them and and a process where, quick as lightning, that person is contacted by whoever is the first person to pick up that there's a problem. It's that, yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can understand that. And once scripted, so basically you go almost a case study. You've got little scripts there just to use. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know how to handle it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's other things. I mean, we won't go into the details, but, for example, there are places that need to be organised. For example, if it was a really big thing, you might need a press conference where you get a number of journalists in and talk to them. Because, you know, a lot of the time, while this is something I know a lot of franchises always don't like to hear, you really do need to front up and talk to journalists. Mm. And you can you can actually turn that to your advantage, as, a, as I mentioned before. It, like I say, it's hard for me to go into all that detail. But if you don't, it'll just say you refuse to comment and then the whole thing will be negative. But if you know how to deal with those tough questions, and there are ways, and then you know what the media wants, for example, you like that analogy I used before when I said a franchise without a crisis communication plan is like owning a car without insurance. I mean, I, I, that, I had that prepared. Because I know that's what people like. Analogies like that are really good. So you can organise some of these things for your interviews with the reporters, because they want a good story. They don't. Most of them don't care whether it's good or bad for you. They just want some really interesting sound bites and quotes for their stories. Mm. So we can give them that, but we can give them that um, while also using our own points. Um. Pete, from my experience across Australia, I'm just trying to think elsewhere. I mean, obviously, I didn't introduce the fact that you actually based in New Zealand whilst you operate in both countries. Um, but from my experience in Australia, um, there's a lot of scepticism from people about the media in franchising in Australia. 
is is this is it always justified? I mean, we all we hear is <laughs> seem to hear is negatives, but um, what's your response well, to that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to stand here and say that there isn't hasn't been a bit of that going on, you know, because of you know a few franchises got in the news and then they sort of became a target. There's there's no there's no disputing that. But what I, what I will say though is that you know people have like I say with by understanding how to do a media interview, having a crisis plan all there ready to go, you can. And this will sound this will sound hard for some people to comprehend, but you can actually take a negative situation and turn it into a positive. Okay, I mean, there's some groups, you know, if there's something really bad and, you know, someone's been, you know, a crook, basically. Well, I'm not I'm not talking about that. I mean, my what I do is I help people. I don't want to I don't want to see good people get into trouble through no fault of their own. That, that's what my focus is. It's not on trying to help someone that has been, you know, ripping off their franchisees, you know, get out of that because that, that's not really what this is about. Um, but really, if you can, for example, when you do have a media interview or you're sending out a statement, you need a message in that. And let's say there was a death or something to one in one of your franchise networks. Um, like I know, unfortunately, has happened occasionally. You know, your first point might be, look, you know, our hearts go out to the victim of the family or something like that. The second one might be we're doing all we can to support everyone involved in this. And the third point might be, you know, the safety of our staff and customers is our top priority. And there's ways you can just keep coming back to those and it makes you look like a really caring franchise, even though there's a negative issue. People are more concerned about how you respond to something than actually the thing itself. Mm. It's when you either run for cover or look guilty as charged. That's when people don't don't like it. So oh, there yeah. are actually ways. And the other thing, the other side of that, your question, is that, and I mentioned this earlier briefly as well, there are, there are opportunities to actually get positive stuff out there. But for that to happen... The franchises themselves need to be proactive about that. Media aren't going to come to you and say, hey, tell us something really positive about your franchise. Uh, but for example, I mean, I've done this myself in my own business before. I know a lot of franchises do national fundraising campaigns for different different things, you know, in their niches. I mean, what you can do there, you can actually organise that so media statements go to the local newspapers in the local areas where the franchisees are and then the franchise all can do something more nationally and you can get all this amazing amounts of um, positive media attention and franchisors can write advice articles about their area of expertise i write a lot of advice articles myself and i know a lot of particularly niche magazines are looking for this and then that grows that reputation you know as well and then if there is a negative issue people don't just see the negative they see positive stuff as well Yes, it's surprising what you can um, what, what you can overcome, what adverse situation you can overcome if you do maintain that 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 sort of a rep, good positive reputation essentially historically. So um, I suppose the analogy I draw, you know, we all watch politicians on the television, and um, there's a handful that manage to achieve what I imagine you need to do in this in this role you're describing, which is empathise with the people. Um, you know. When you see the way the politicians respond, they keep going back, keep going back, keep going back to what they're trying to drill you with. They don't answer the question. Um, yeah. now some some do that in a way that's quite friendly, and you can empathise with them because you you feel for that person. They've managed to transmit their sort of empathy through you know the television or whatever it might be. There are others. They just seem to 
did, did just sort of rile you. They, they, they sort of wind you up just by watching the fact of the way that they're manipulating the situation. So I suppose that's a big part. It's got to be the right sort of person that's got that, I suppose, the, you would know this. I mean, the right media personality. Um, yeah, that, that's true. And, and there is, there's also, you know, we are going to answer the question. We're not just going to go and stay our point robotically. I know that's what some people do, and that, that's certainly not what I'm suggesting. There are ways, though, where you can answer that question briefly, and then you can go back to your key point. For example, if you if there was a death, you know, the first question people probably be right about, or oh, whose fault was this? You know, you will say, well, look, look, unfortunately, we don't know that at the moment. That'll come out in the investigation. But what I really want to emphasize is that our hearts go out to the family of the victim. And then at another point in that interview, rather than saying that exact same point in that exact same way so you sound like a robot, you might use some emotion by saying, um, I can't tell you, we don't know that at the moment, that'll come out in the investigation. But look, you know, I'm a father myself, I just can't imagine what these guys are going through at the moment. So you're making the same point in different ways and you're showing you really care. So if you don't front or don't just don't say anything, people, you know, people just don't like you at all. That's right. Yeah, it, it really is a skill, isn't it? No doubt about that. So I can see the value of of, of, of training in that space. And I suppose keeping keeping current as well, you know, um, it's not something you can do and then rely on for the next 20 years. I suppose you need refreshers and you need to keep on your toes um, from your own point of view. I mean, it's, it's an exercise that you need to be trained in, isn't it? And, yeah, and, well, definitely. I mean, it's amazing what people can learn in one day in a media training session where you literally, I mean, with my ones, for example, that, you know, I have everyone on camera five times throughout throughout that day or throughout that morning. And, uh, you know, we pick a scenario and then we basically go through, come up with a message, do some interviews on it, come up with some other ways of making the points, go through the really difficult questions. And you'd be amazed how better people get. But it is, like you say, it is, you do really want to keep practicing. And the, and the, the, the issue sometimes is, because I know how busy franchise, you know, the franchise or CEOs are, um, you do really want to just every month or so, even if it's just with a colleague, get them to, you know, throw a few questions at you so you get that technique, you keep that um, that skill. I would say it's like running a marathon. You know, you, you learn how to do it, but then you've got to keep, you sort of got to keep fit for the next one a wee bit. Yeah, look, it, it's refreshing any of those sorts of common expressions, even like your elevator pitch, you know, it's a, uh... And 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 your values and those sorts of things. You need to have them off the top of your head, and it's very easy to to overlook them or forget them. So, um, so would you like to expand a bit on that book you kindly gave me a copy of, Pete? The one featuring New Zealand franchise leaders, which whilst it's New Zealand, I think it's an it's got international appeal. And I know you've got an international version as well because the case studies apply in business anywhere. And, and often not just in franchising, I think they're of value to anybody in business. Could you expand a bit just to explain a little bit of the philosophy and the stories behind that? And certainly don't, don't feel shy to, um, you can quote any case studies you want if you want to uh, sort of expand on them at all. Okay, well, look, um, yeah, I mean, firstly, the reason I, I the book is, it's New Zealanders, New Zealand's top franchise leaders' secrets revealed. Uh, and basically what that is, it's, it's 12 chapters each focused on a franchise leader from a leading New Zealand franchise. And they're basically telling their story and they're giving advice to franchi future franchisors and franchisees about uh, about how to get into it. Uh, the reason I, I did that was because of my own book. I, I just saw such massive 
benefits in my own media training book because you know you suddenly you you're suddenly seen as this expert and it's really credible and what i thought with the franchise thing too i mean obviously you know most franchises are looking for new franchisees and yet it's really hard to stand out these days i mean everyone has their own social media sites i know some franchises advertise and all that and that's all good the thing is that doesn't actually you know that's all paid for that doesn't actually show you know, that you're actually a real expert yourself and your franchise is fantastic because everyone's saying that. But if you can say it in an actual book where you're an author or co-author in this case of a best-selling book um, and you're the only one in that niche because I make sure that there's only one person per niche in that book, that is really powerful. And I got into that because, you know, I could see the benefits in people getting, uh, you know, the positive media attention like we talked about before. And the next step really is to actually public, be in a published book. And so what's happening, and of course, these books are all over the internet. They're on, you know, Amazon.com, uh, all these places. Um, they're in a lot of bookshops. Uh, and, it, and it's gone really well. And so basically from that, I've decided to start writing these books for other countries as well. So I'm in the process of... Just it's very early days. I'm doing one for the U for the US. It's going to be exactly the same. Getting fr uh, franchise or franchise leaders. So it'll be either like a CEO, uh, a franchise, or or it could even be a combination of like I've got a few husband and wife team teams, for example, in the New Zealand book. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to do those in in, in a heap of countries uh, because I just see that you know it's just fantastic for those franchises to get that to stand out and it. Like I say, you can stand out by getting the traditional media attention, and also you can all, obviously you can place all that through your social media networks because no one else is doing that. Everyone's writing their own advice and stuff in their social media networks. But if you've actually got third-party endorsement, say, "Hey, here's me in um, CEO magazine" or or something like that, it, it, it's a whole new ball game. So yeah, so that's what the book's about. So it's quite exciting, really. I mean, the, you know, I've got great feedback from the New Zealand one. And now the US one, I'll certainly be doing an Australian one and a UK one as well. Excellent. Tell me, if I'm a franchisor listening today, or whenever I happen to listen, um, what, what are the maybe two or three key things I should do right away within the next seven days just to start this process, just to make sure I've got a little bit in my tank if something happens? Okay, well, the first thing I would, I would certainly... Um, I would do two things to start with. I would, I'd have a brainstorm about what could possibly go wrong, and and write basic statements about those those things. And ideally, you would have a, a three point message for each of those two that you would be your focus in any communication and media interviews and that sort of thing you did. Secondly, mm -hmm. I would, I would, uh, I would certainly look at media training for. Ideally, two people really, because you can have one person, but you know if that person's away or you know it gets really, really busy. Uh, and I mean, the, the the feedback I get so often from the media training is that it's so helpful in other areas as well. Like some people use it in boardrooms, some people use it when they're dealing with difficult, you know, franchisees, even in, in the franchise case. Uh, so that and the other the other one probably, I'd have a think about staff guidelines because. Because the problem is, like, if even if there is one issue with one franchisee, and I can tell you this as an ex-journalist, if there was a some franchise in, uh, you know, up in um, 
Gold Coast that had some issue, and I'm a reporter over in uh, somewhere in outback New South Wales in a little newspaper, and I'm looking for stories all the time, and there's a franchise network, there's a franchisee there somewhere, I'm probably going to be contacting them and saying, hey, what's all this going on with this thing in Gold Coast? Are you guys got the same problem? Um, there's all those sorts of things. So there needs to be a way whenever there's an issue, not just to be for the crisis communication leader to deal with it, but it needs to be, everyone needs to know what's going on and how to deal with it. Right. So if you get a, if you get something out of the blue, just say, fantastic. Thank you for ringing me, Les. Can I get someone, so can I get someone to call you straight back sort of thing and, uh, and work from there by getting one of your head office gurus involved, that type yep. of thing. Yep. And the first thing the head office guru is going to do is going to, you know, try and get that statement organised and get that to that person. But then there's also a lot of other people that would you would probably want to let know before the media get hold of that. And so you can see how much, there's not much time here, you know. So that's why you need to have that ready to go. And if it is going to be a big thing, like I say, you really do need to front up to those media interviews. But you need to know how to deal with them to not mm. get into trouble. Yeah, there's nothing more embarrassing than watching somebody who's just out of their depth trying to handle a media interview of some sort. I mean, they may be very senior individual CEOs or whatever it might be, but they're just in an uncomfortable spot and they just haven't got the skill sets or the confidence to do it. Um, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's public speaking all over again, isn't it, really? And I, I, can, I can see why having media training would improve your ability to, to speak on your feet, whether it's yeah, standing up right. a conference to ask a question or whether it's appearing on a, you know, on a, on a panel, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah you- and the big difference between a, a public between speaking to a big group and a media interview, it's that in most media interviews, the reporter's going to just take a little slice of what you said and that's going to be the entire story. Mm. And that's the difference. And that's why you need to make sure that everything you say can stand on its own. And that's why you have to keep coming back to your points all the time because you know that only a little piece is ever going to come out of it. And most people that get into trouble or complain of being misquoted actually did say what they did say those words, but it wasn't yeah. in the context they meant. So they are the sorts of things you do in media training, and that, you know, and that, that, it's not difficult. It really isn't. I know people have gone, "Oh my God, you, you know, you can't just go back to the same points." Well, I understand all that, but re- really, there are ways, and you can identify the really tough questions before the interview, work out how you're going to deal with those, and then you come back to your points and interesting ways of making them and language the media like. Right. Pete, I've enjoyed chatting to you. I've, I've, I've absorbed all my questions. I don't know if there's anything you'd like to add that we haven't addressed yet. We've had a fairly broad conversation about the topic, but is there anything you'd like to add that you, you feel um, would be of value to our listeners? Uh, well, just really the emphasis, you know, the, the importance of the stuff. Like, you know, I, I do know, and, and I do I totally understand too, that, you know, franchise or, you know, see the media as a real, real, a real threat and let's just keep away from it. And often let's not even think about it because it's so scary. So actually looking at it as something that could actually be of benefit, even if it is a negative situation. I'm not, with a negative situation, I'm not saying if you're a franchisor or listen to this and you're, you know, underpaying your, your franchisees, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't work with those sorts of people. But if there's an allegation about something that's totally wrong or, you know, there's um, a lot of mistakes can be made. Um, there are ways that you can actually come out of that looking really, really good because there'll be lots of publicity, but it's either going to be good or bad. So you're either going to be a victim or a villain. 
And if you don't front up, you're going to be the villain. But if you do front up, unlike that example I mentioned before about the, the death where, you know, hearts go out to the family and all those sorts of things, if you're seen as a, a victim in those situations and you have a really good message and you keep putting that across, everyone thinks that's great. Right. They, they really do. Yeah, it makes total sense, Pete. So, so um, for those who are interested and want to learn a bit more about Pete Burden and and about um, franchise reputations and so forth, where, where's the best place for them to contact you? And do you have anything that's available that they can get access to to give them a little bit of a, a kickstart on the way down to getting these problems addressed? Yeah, well, probably two things, um, Brian. Firstly, uh, I do have a little report uh, that they could find if they went to franchise media training forward slash free slash report. Now that's just about that's the few points about how to get positive media attention. But if if they sign up to that, I'll also send them my report, the three crucial pillars to your franchise media policy. Oh, excellent! So I could send both of those. Um, and if anyone did want to contact me, you know, for any of these reasons, or if you might be interested in, you know, the books or anything like that, you could just probably the best email for me is just info at peteburden.com. And that's Pete, P U T E, Burden, B U R D O N.com. Okay. Well, I'll put that information on the, um, on the email when we send this out. So thanks very much for that. So, um, if you're uncertain about anything you've heard or the information there, please get in touch with me or from the information that Pete's given us, get in touch with Pete. So, Pete, I also want to thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed having a bit of a chat and opening eyes to a little bit broader, I think, particularly uh, the, I think the, the, the processes that are there for you to be able to turn a situation really from being a negative into some degree, at least of a positive outcome by knowing how to handle the situations properly. So um, thank you very much indeed for coming along to uh, give our, our, um, our listeners some help on franchise reputations and how to protect them. So um, we'll off from there. Okay, well, it's been lovely having you along. I'll, um, I'll leave you with it for now. I look forward to chatting to you again quite soon, I'm sure. And to everybody else, I'd like to say, uh, hope you've enjoyed this conversation and look forward to speaking with you again fairly soon. Mm -hmm.